is going on, baseball fans? Welcome to episode 12 of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. We're down to our last two episodes. We got this one and one more with the World Series afterwards. Typical crew on today with myself and Callie returning. Um, Callie happened to sleep through the last episode, sleeping <laughs> off some tough losses for both the A's and Arkansas last week. Hey, we won this week. <laughs> so let's not, let's not talk college football. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it's a rough week for Jonah, who's also joining us along with Ethan Fisher. Some regular faces here on the crew, which is always nice to see, but... This week, plenty of talk about, obviously, the ALCS, and at the time of this recording, the NLCS is still going on. If you're watching the uh, YouTube version, you can see it in the background. I will be periodically turning my head to update everybody on the uh, call here, and hopefully can inform some of our conversation, too, at times. But a lot of the ALCS, NLCS talk, looking forward to the uh, World Series, as well as some of the bigger storylines this week. But let's jump right into it. Touching base with the rest of the league, not much to touch base about. You know most of it. In terms of the ALCS, the Rays were leading 3-0 in the series. The Astros were trying to do the improbable, came back and tied the series at 3. However, Charlie Morton really set the tone for Tampa Bay in Game 7 yesterday, or two days ago at the time of this recording. And the Rays will be going to their second World Series, their first since 2008, hoping to be one of the final six teams who has not won the World Series, hoping to kind of end that for themselves. And on the NLCS side, the Braves had a similar large lead. They were up 3-1 in the series over the Dodgers. Dodgers tied it at three, and we are now in the bottom of the fifth. It is 3-2 Atlanta in game seven. And certainly a bullpen game that we have seen many times throughout the postseason. The Rays still anxiously awaiting their opponent, who by the time you listen to this, you'll know the opponent. Um, However, we will be placing our live bets, I'm sure, as we get the information here. But like we said, it is 3-2 in the fifth as current time of recording. There were no debuts uh, this week in... The sad end to our weekly debut series for the year, it, it appears, it carried into the um, postseason, which was phenomenal, uh, and certainly gave a lot of fun conversation, what has been a wacky year for baseball. No COVID updates either, however, I, I, I think it's a very good thing, because as they've kind of opened the bubble, and now not only families are allowed into um, both the NLCS in Texas, as well as the World Series in Texas, there are a considerable number of fans in attendance as well. Um, Texas obviously having different COVID restrictions and COVID rules than some other states, and Major League Baseball certainly taking advantage of that. It is weird to see people in the stands once again. Um, But thankfully, no COVID updates in terms of the players or anything we know about the fans as well. So another good week for Major League Baseball in that respect. Certainly seeing another sport like the NFL currently still having its issues and some very similar to baseballs, but again, very positive news. Some very negative news on the same side of things. The sixth hall of famer in baseball passed away in 2020, just this week, Joe Morgan, who played second base for the Astros, Reds, Giants, Phillies, and A's, and was inducted into the hall of fame in 1990, passed away this week. This one might be more personal to a larger number of fans than some of the passings from recent weeks. If 
you watched ESPN growing up, Sunday Night Baseball, John Miller and Joe Morgan were familiar names and familiar faces, even for a nine, 10 year old kid like myself at the time. And if you played like MLB 2K games, um, their voices were always prominent parts of that. Um, certainly a little bit of our childhood passed away with Joe Morgan this week and certainly something that is difficult on many fan bases and certainly the little kid in all of us. So we certainly wish Joe Morgan's family the best and what is certainly a difficult time for all of them. But we will move into our main segment now, the seventh inning stretch. Like I said, pretty short touching base. You get to hear less of me talking more of our fine panelists this evening, analysts, whatever I want to call you guys. Joan, I believe this is your first time doing seventh inning stretch. Yes. My apologies because Callie is a seasoned veteran and has taken everybody down every time she has been on without faltering. So certainly, Callie, the pressure does remain on you, though, as you, you had a week off and hopefully didn't tarnish your game too uh, I'll summon my inner Randy. There you go. Summon your inner Randy Rosarain and pull off whatever uh, upset we might want to call it here. I got live betting odds on Callie no doubt here. <laughs> But you know the rules. You got about a minute to make your case for each of the seven questions I ask. Best argument wins a point. The points are completely arbitrary. If you can make me laugh, if you say something real funny, you'll probably end up getting the point, even if you don't necessarily deserve it. But hey, until someone tells me what the rules should be for this, I'm going to change them every week. (laughs) That being said, let's get into our first question here. Good luck to everybody. This week, the White Sox fired manager Ricky Renneria, and if I can speak from a White Sox fan perspective, was a pretty shocking move. Um, Certainly not something I had expected, a lot of the fan base not expecting, though many calls for his firing came throughout the year. Two names connected to that job are A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, two that were part of the Astros cheating scandal back from 2017. So given the opportunity, or excuse me, the openings in Detroit, Chicago, and Boston for managerial positions this offseason, both Hinge and Cora are likely to get jobs based on the availability of managers and the positions available. Certainly it seems as if Cora will be going back to Boston and AJ Hinch along with Tony LaRusa, which let's not mention that name being connected to the White Sox, but AJ Hinch has been connected to them. The question here is, should these guys um, get managerial positions so soon after? You can say, yes, they've served their time, whatever. No, they shouldn't. Here's why. That's really the main part of this here. And Jonah, since you are the first timer here, I will start with you. Your thoughts. Yeah, so I think it's all been but confirmed that Cora is going back to Boston, which is actually, I'm fine with Cora and Hinch getting jobs. I just don't think Cora should be a, like should be allowed to go back to Boston because like you're not sure how much the atmosphere has changed there, how much the culture has changed there, and he was a big part of that culture. Um, I I think that a manager going into a different clubhouse that has already a different culture and seeing the punishments, they'll there there will be a lot more strict um, on them, and it will be a, like different. A different experience for them so i have no problem with them going back for that reason do i still have issues with the punishment yes but i think that the punishment shouldn't be on just kicking them out of the league for good callie 
I don't see why they shouldn't get jobs to do science dealing on the scale that the Astros and Red Sox and Yankees reportedly did. It takes more than just a manager to be in on it. It's a whole organizational thing that can't be implemented by just one person. If anything, punching the managers were the wrong targets in the Astros' punishment. I don't see why they shouldn't get uh, a new jobs. I think that's fair. Ethan? Yeah, for the most part, I agree that I'm fine with them getting jobs, but I think it's a little different for the two of them. A.J. Hinch um, was more... Like he was more vocal about like not approving of what the Astros were doing, and Cora, on the other hand, was he was involved both in Houston and in Boston, so I think it's a little I'm a little more lenient towards Hinch, but I'm pretty okay with both of them. And I actually made a note here about thinking that the Tony Larusso rumors were pretty far fetched, so. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see AJ Hinch in Chicago. I'm quite worried about those rumors, but one that might be interesting to watch too. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the point to Jonah here because you made a good point about the um, the clubhouse cultures. You know, how much has it changed in Boston? Renicky was very clearly a move that kind of set them up to just uh, put Cora right back in that position a year later. So I, I think that's a very good point. One name that might become available too, and maybe just if anyone has any quick thoughts about the potential of this, is if the Dodgers don't end up winning this this evening, and certainly no guarantee considering they're down 3-2 now heading into the sixth inning, does Dave Roberts have a job in L.A. next year in, 20, in 2021? I don't think he should. Interesting. Why? He doesn't put the Dodgers in a position to succeed. He leaves starters in too long. He puts pitchers who aren't great at getting swings and misses. He puts pitchers who are more contact-type pitchers in situations where a ground ball can blow the game wide open for the other team. He doesn't manage the bullpen well. He doesn't manage the starters well. They're, he's not a good game manager. He should not be in, He should not be leading a team trying to compete for the World Series. So you're saying even if he becomes available, teams, you, you wouldn't expect... Or I guess, would you expect him to be a front runner for either? Let's just say, let's just assume Cora is going back to Boston for either Detroit or Chicago. Or do, do you see I this as something because uh, Detroit? I can see because they're not going to be needing big game management in a while. They're rebuilding, so I can see him going there because his weaknesses aren't going to be a big deal there. Interesting. I don't John, see Robert. Yeah. I don't see Roberts leaving, especially if they win today. I, I, I don't think that he's going to be available, um, personally. Interesting. I, I, I have received very mixed thoughts from people about that, so that's why I was curious. Um, I, I have a hard time faulting him for them not winning a World Series because it is not easy to do. But, Callie, to your point, if, if the argument can be made – and Certainly, there's the potential that it could be. Like, he put in the series so far, he's put brute, he's put Gratterall in situations with runners in scoring position, which is not the kind of place he's going to thrive. Sure. Gratterall, despite his throwing, despite having great stuff, doesn't get swing and misses or get much strikeouts. Instead, he should have put in someone like Jake McGee, who has a 40% strikeout rate, something like that. He, need, he, he cannot manage a bullpen well. Interesting. Interesting. 
I, I think the Dodgers and Dave Roberts are actually a very divisive topic in this sense because you'll have people who are very um, pro Roberts and pro the decisions he makes, and then Cal, you bring up good points about situations you're pe- you're putting people in. I guess my question to you, just out of curiosity. Dodgers start Dustin May this evening. Right move, wrong move. What would you have done in that situation? What should they have done in that situation? I think Dustin May should be should have appeared in the game, but I don't think he should have started. I think he should have started Urias or Gonzalez. Interesting. All right. Just curious. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No, no right or wrong answer on that one. I just I, I'm wrestling with it myself yeah. as someone who. is a fan of a team who is looking for manager and wondering who's actually going to be available. I think I I, I would not foresee Roberts being being available, but I wouldn't be all that surprised if he was either, because I think you can make the argument either way. And certainly it just depends on how the Dodgers front office, Andrew Friedman, all them see the decisions made. Is it something along the lines of what Kelly's saying, where you're not putting the guys in the, the best position to succeed, or is it more so, you can't go out there and throw the pitches for them at the end of the day. Like if they're not uh, producing, they're not producing. So, so it does come down to what you're saying though, Callie, I, does everyone feel that the Dodgers are and Dave Roberts are putting them in the best position to win? And, and I think that's best left up to the Dodgers front office. We'll find that out in like an hour. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, we, we will find out sooner than later. The Dodgers are currently losing, but I don't really fault Roberts for that. He's, Mm-hmm. I don't think all the Dodgers' losses this series can be put on him, but there are some that can. That's fair. Uh, I, I think there's always going to be those those moments you can point to where if you look back, and it's like, that would have been fine if it worked, but if it doesn't, hindsight always tends to bite managers in the butt, unfortunately. But let's get into question two. That's actually something we're going to um, – seriously, I think we'll be monitoring over the next couple weeks is – the, the managerial situation in a lot of places. But question two, the Houston Astros have been quite the story this season. They finished under 500 in the regular season. And because of uh, this year's postseason rules, they were in the uh, postseason, made it all the way to the ALCS and almost came back from that 3-0 deficit they had in the ALCS. Certainly a very good series. So my question is, what do you make of this season? Were they simply simply lucky, or has their talent as a whole been overshadowed by the controversy surrounding the team? Ethan, what you got? I think, if anything, they were actually unlucky during this season. They got hit by injuries pretty hard. Uh, Justin Verlander, Jordan Alvarez, Roberto Osuna all missed most of the season with injuries. That's their ace, their closer, and middle-of-the-order hitter. Between the three of them, they combined to play seven games. So I think it's uh, impressive that the Astros even made it to the playoffs at all. I think they were really distracted uh, by the whole sign stealing controversy during the season, but that they were like really heavily motivated once they made it to the playoffs and they felt more comfortable. They'd been there before. And I think that once they finally got to the playoffs, that really gave them an extra push. So I think, yeah, I don't think it was, like an issue of them being lucky at all. Kelly? When you look at the uh, players who played for the Astros this year, uh, just on the pitching side, I think 11 players alone had never pitched in the majors prior to this season. Yeah, That's f- over 40% of your pitching staff. And 
once they got to the postseason, a lot of the players they leaned on were those young players. Uh, Framber Valdez, he pitched in the majors before, but he wasn't an experienced fit. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, though. Uh, Blake Taylor, Anoli per, uh, Paradez, however you pronounce his name, uh, Christian Javier, they were all very good for the Padres, or Padres, for the Astros. I, I think that you got to give the uh, the Astros a lot of respect for, especially those young players who showed up in a tough situation and went out and performed very well. Jonah. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention the injuries, but also, like, once we hit the playoffs specifically, I don't think it's surprising to anyone that this team could have gone far and even made it, had a chance at the World Series. Their offense is talented, and, like, even with the cheating scandal, I know overshadows all of it. Like, that's what they became known for, was hitting all the home runs in the postseason and going out with a bang. And then it was literally if their pitching can string together a few games, like, I don't think anyone doubted that they could fight for the World Series. And, like, I think a lot of people did not trust the Rays, so they were like, oh, it's going to be Yankees, Astros, and the um, CS again. Mm-hmm. So, in the season, I think it was injuries, and they got – but they also just did not play well. But I don't think anyone doubted that they could challenge for the for the pennant once they got to the playoffs. The thing that always, you know, pissed me off most about the Astros sign stealing, and before we go too far, Ethan, I'm going to give you the point for having the guts to publicly say that the Astros were unlucky, despite whether or not it's true, the the potential backlash behind that is certainly interesting. But the, the, point, the point being, you know, what always pissed me off the most was these are talented ballplayers. Correa, Bregman, even Altuve... You look at these guys who are highly touted guys, not so much Altuve, but Correa, Bregman, this team was very much the same as the one in 20. These are good ball players, And it's almost like you didn't need to cheat to be this good. And that's what always pissed me off about it. The farther we get from it, the more it's kind of that outlook for me is this never needed to happen. You could have won without cheating. You could have. Um, and that's what always frustrated me the most. And that's why I think a lot of fans might be overlooking just the talent they have as a team, which clearly none of you have really overlooked, and, that, and just because of a anger or frustration towards them. Um, th- these are good ball players that didn't need to cheat to win, and I think that's still the most frustrating thing for me, looking back at it. I don't think that, you know, Bregman and Korea being – highly revered players is a, is surefire proof that they didn't need to cheat one. I mean, we've seen uh, very heavily lauded prospects be called up and then fail. Sure. Form. The biggest one off of the, my head I can think of is uh, Jason Hayward. Sure, but they had had experience, or excuse me, success before then, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, wasn't Bregman's rookie year 2017? 20... I was going to say 16. Yeah, I was going to say he had at least one year before that, I thought. Okay. I think it was a year before that. This is a good momentary pause for baseball reference because I don't know the answer to it. 2016 was his work. He didn't play too much. Um, okay. But I, I get where you're coming from, though, Callie. That, you, you know, maybe the success wasn't guaranteed just because they're well, highly touted prospects. Yeah. Let's not looking at the playoff though. What if they didn't cheat? Each one would have had like one less worn each season, which would have still been a really good season. Like, 
Yeah, I, it, like, it, it's interesting to me to try and think about it that way because I don't know. I, I see it as these were going to be really good ball players either way. I agree with you. Um, certainly, Callie, to your point, the cheating did help them become play as better ball players than probably what their true talent level is. Um, but but again, going back to your point, Jonah, too, that you made, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Just, just get there. I, I think this team had enough talent to where if you got in the playoffs, conceivably, they could have found a way to win it all without any sign stealing, stealing scandal. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I, I, I get what you're saying there, though, Kelly. That the, the success wasn't necessarily guaranteed because they were highly tied players. Yeah. Um, to go back to the NLCS game seven, uh, Enrique Hernandez just homered off of Taylor to make it three three. I just saw that on my yeah. screen. You're ahead of me. Dave Roberts yeah, the game. yeah. Well, we had yeah, ourselves a ball game before. It was only one run game. We got that ourselves a new any, That goes to there goes any predictions I was going to make <laughs> for this game. <laughs> <laughs> we are back at square one, which is fun. But uh-huh. let's keep it going so we can watch the end of this. <laughs> no matter the result of today's game, um, we have now seen two game sevens forced. Yeah. After large ALCS and NLCS deficits, as I mentioned before, the Rays led 3-0, Astros forced a game seven, Braves were up 3-1, Dodgers forced a game seven. What do you attribute this to? Is it To, to see these teams battle back from 3-1 and 3-0 deficits is certainly not the norm. Is it luck? Is it just the, the nature of a seven-game series? Is there anything you guys attribute this to? Uh, we'll start with Kelly. Um, it's obviously a result of no off days. Prior to this, you were able to rely on your top, top four starters and your bullpen would regularly be uh, pretty fresh. And not only were you able to rely on your uh, best bullpen arms a little bit more, you were also able to throw a start, use what, your fifth starter in relief. But now you can't do that because all hands have to be ready to go, ready to start, ready to throw multiple innings. And I think you saw that with the Rays. They started to lose when their bullpen started to see more and more work. And I don't, you can't, I don't think you can make as much of a direct correlation for the Dodgers um, Braves series, but I think that's another reason why. Ethan? I don't think there's a huge similarity between the two outside of like what Callie said about the, the no off days in this format. But I think like when I just talked about the Astros, they created like a victim mentality for themselves, which like helps motivate them once they got to the playoffs. So once they were down three Oh in the ALCS, that was like the point where they were most highly motivated and they started playing their best ball and they came back and tied it. And in this series, um, I just think the Braves are better than we thought they were, and they are able to hang around with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers got off to a tough start against the best pitchers the Braves have, and they dug themselves in a hole real quick. And then once they got to face like Kyle Wright and yeah. pitchers who aren't as good, they brought themselves back. Jonah? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of what I was going to say was already said. Um, I think it's the rough the, part of being third sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I definitely think the no off days um, did contribute, and I think we'll see a difference in the World Series because I believe that they're going to have normal off days. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think in addition to like the use of the pen, I think it's also just every, most of the starting pitchers in these series were so young outside. I think it's just Bueller, Kershaw, Snell, Glassnow, Morden, and Granky were the only set. Did McCullough start a game? Or was he only in relief? I think McCullough started game seven. McCullough, so seven out of what, like 15, 16 of the starters, um, only seven had started in playoff games before. So I think it when you're relying on the back end of with guys that have never done it, and then also most of these bullpens were all rookies, as Kelly mm-hmm. said. I think that a lot of it was just the, the inexperience on the pitching side. Even though a lot of the games were lower scoring, especially, well, not really in the NLCS, but in the ALCS, there were a couple. Um, so I think it's just that a lot of the pitchers did not have experience, which gave more ground for a comeback. Yeah. There's also a lot of notable underperformance. Bueller underperformed uh, in game one. Uh, Snell struggled. I think that's uh, notable, something to look mm-hmm. at. Yeah. Yeah. Point's going to go to Kelly here, because I, I, I do really think it is a lot to do with the off days. I think, you know, even <clears throat> when you listen to some of the things some of these broadcasters are saying, like John Smoltz talking about the starters not going as long as usual, I'm like, well, it's all hands on deck. It, it's not like you're going to see you, – you can't throw out your game, your fifth starter in these games and expect to win these games. And you, you have to be willing to mix and match. And with that comes fatigue, comes I – mean, especially if you see, see with some of the rays, you're, you're not as sharp every night. You're just not as a, as a human being. Um, so I, I do think off days has a ton to attribute to it. Is it okay to just uh, start an, uh, an out-of-the-park baseball game and do a seven-game series with off days versus no off days, and you'll really see how different it is. Yeah. I also think if there was no if there was an off day between six, game six and seven in the NLCS, that Kershaw would definitely be pitching in game seven. I mean, he's still probably going to make. I mean, it Robert. looked like he was starting to warm up, but like they're trying to avoid using him today. Yeah. So that's a good point. I, I, I'm off days. I really think have created a different atmosphere for these playoffs. Yeah, which is I interesting. Think- I, I wonder if, like, a team gets up, like, 3-0 or 3-1 in the World Series. Will we see the same kind of fight because of the off days? Yeah. That's a good point. Question four. We are tied at one through the first three. By advancing to the World Series, the Rays will have another shot at winning their first World Series. Which of the five other teams that haven't won at all, the Brewers, the Padres, Mariners, Rangers, and Rockies, do you feel has the best chance of making it to the World Series next? Obviously, the easy answer here being most likely the Padres, since the other four are either rebuilding or don't know how to build around Christian Yelich. <laughs> However, or, or Nolan Arenado. Or Nolan Arenado, that's a good point. However, they, have, they don't know how to build pitching around Nolan Arenado. They have the offense yeah. around Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Um, but at the whole time, keeping in mind that obviously the Dodgers play in the NL West and does not make it easy for the Padres, but Kelly, I assume you're going to tell me all about how it's going to be the Padres, given the hat you're wearing right now. So I'm going to let you go first. Well, I, instead, I think I'm going to tell you why I think it's none of the other four teams. Jeff Hurt right. is simply the worst general manager in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockies also have arguably the worst player development in baseball. And they are simply, in my opinion, the worst run organization in baseball, even worse than the Mets. And I do not say that lightly. 
Oh God! Man, they have plenty of young talent, but their young talent is so young. I don't think that they're in position to be competing right away, especially in a tough AL West with the Astros and the A's. The Brewers are also in a very similar position to the uh, Rockies. They have the talent. They have uh, Christian Yelich, obviously. They have Keston Hura. They have Brandon Woodruff. They have Bruce Suter. But I don't think they have the ability to put the put the finishing touches on that team. They have the foundation, but they can't spruce it up with some nice potted plants and some nice lounge furniture. (laughs) And that's three. What was the fourth team? Uh, The Mariners and the Rangers. Uh, The Rangers. Take what I said about the uh, Mariners, but remove the young talent. Like, I think the only promising young talent for the uh, uh, for the Rangers currently in the majors is Nick Solak, and he's not he's not there yet. Ethan, yeah, I still think it's the Padres. Um, they are head and shoulders above the rest of those teams, and even being in the same division as the Dodgers, the Padres have the talent to be a playoff team consistently for a while. And so long as they're getting into the playoffs consistently, they have a shot at getting the World Series at least. But if I had to pick one of the other four teams, um, as much as I don't want to, I would probably pick the Brewers. Um, like they have Yelich, Hira, Brandon Woodruff, and some uh, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. They do have some nice pieces. And despite there being four playoff teams in the NL Central this year, a lot of them limped their way to the playoffs and then just got smacked. So the divisional competition isn't too great. So if I had one of the other teams, I'd pick the Brewers, but I definitely think it's the Padres. And Jonah. I mean, no, I'm not going to answer sarcastically about how the Brewers got scammed because Lewis Brinson's finally hitting, but it is, I believe it actually (laughs) is the Brewers. Um, um, I just think that anytime you have a year in year out MVP candidate, um, along with a, they have a couple other bats. I think their issue right now is their offense. Um, but if they can start, if they can add a couple of free agent bats, um, do development, their pitching development is coming along really nicely. Um, and they have the best one, two punch in the bullpen in baseball with Williams and Hader. I would compare the Brewers to the Braves. I think they're probably a year out. The a year behind the Braves, but for the with Yelich, they've made the playoffs like each of the past two years. Um, so as long as you're consistently getting to the playoffs, um, I think I don't think the Padres, even with their talent, I don't think that they can will have a clear path to the playoffs every single year. Whereas the Brewers, I think they have a clear path to the playoffs almost every single year now, especially with how close they are. That's a good point. If only the Brewers had a talented. Uh, left-handed hitting outfielder named Lewis Brinson. No, his name was Grant, Trent Grisham. No. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna look like a real uh, rough trade Zach, at the end of the day. Davies was in that trade too. That's and gonna look like a real rough trade. Too. Yeah. Um, points gonna go to Cali simply for just tearing into the other four teams. That was comical. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you make two good points, and I think Jonah on your side with the Brewers. Um, even, even some of the things you were saying, too. Certainly a team that 
has a decent shot of finding their way at least into the playoffs, and then from there, anything can happen. Question number five. I'm pretty passionate about this one, and I'm going to try not to talk, but it's not going to happen. Fact or fiction, the brand of baseball the Tampa Bay Rays play is bad for the sport. And this is obviously referring to an article that had circulated um, was at least one or two days ago. I think it was maybe Friday um, c- concerning the way the Rays play baseball. And, and the gist of the article being, you know, not having any big name stars, not having starters that go multiple innings, not having players that fans can attach themselves to ultimately is not good for the sport long-term even more so than the importance of winning. It it, it was, it was made, the the point was made such that yes, winning is important. However, if you can't attach names that people can gravitate towards and the argument was the race couldn't, that is bad for the long-term outlook at the sport. So You've all probably read that article, um, Fact or Fiction. And we will start with Ethan. Yeah, I hadn't actually read the article until you wrote this question. And then I went over and wrote the article and it made me mad. Um, Especially as a fan of the Pirates, who are another small market team. Um, Reading that article, it sounded like they want the Rays to like try to follow the lead of some other teams and like try to go out and be a big spending team, which just isn't what they do. And they're doing just fine operating how they operate. I think it's really good for the sport to have a team who can consistently succeed like the Rays do without like throwing out tons of money and the Rays, like I went through their roster construction, the way that they have, constructed their roster specifically through trades is unbelievable and i have a list here mike zumino g-man Choi, yandy diaz joey wendell willie adamas randy arosarena austin meadows manny margo hunter renfro tyler glasnow ryan yarbrough nick anderson that's not even a full list of guys who are playing the major leagues for the rays all of those were acquired through trades which is just insane to me so i think it's obnoxious to say that the Rays are bad for baseball. Jonah. Yeah, it's obviously fiction. Um, I love the way they play the game. I think it's good to have, I like small ball personally. I know like a lot of people don't necessarily like it, but also I like that you have a small market team, but I will make this point. The only reason we're in this situation and an article can be written like this is because of how MLB does their marketing and how MLB is basically making it so that the Rays are bad for baseball because MLB only focuses on, like, all their social media is home runs, really nice strikeouts. It's the big market teams. They'll um, highlight, like, three times the amount of the small market teams, which I get technically, but, like, the reason we're in this position where, like, people are saying the Rays are bad for baseball with them not hitting home runs, where they're not having their starters go on, is literally because of what MLB is doing. So I think, yeah, it's fiction, but it's also MLB's fault that we're in this situation. And Kelly. Let me ask y'all a question. What is oh, your boy. opinion on Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, Felix Hernandez? Love them. Yeah. That's what you're asking. Right, because yeah. I can definitely see where that article is coming from. Okay. 
I, being a fan of another small market team in the A's, the sort of Damocles is hanging above you every time you watch them, knowing that these players are going to leave in a few years. The last time the A's gave out a big-time contract was to Eric Chavez all the way back in 2006. So I can definitely understand where it's coming from because it's hard, it's hard to get invested into... It's hard to invest in the players themselves when you know they're most likely going to be gone. Whereas, say the Mariners, they didn't win, but those players had that connection to the fans. The King's Court was always packed no matter how bad the Mariners were doing. And, you know, I think I can definitely see where that article is coming from. It's, a, it's, it's player investment compared to team investment, and I think player investment is something that small market teams lack, and it makes me sad that they lack that. I want to be able to get invested into a player like Mariners fans were able to get invested into Felix Hernandez. Interesting. I can't give out a point now. I, I, I've kind of been kind of stumped on this one. Because my frustration is that it almost made it sound like what the Rays are doing and, and the innovative way in which they work is bad. And, and that's why I get... I think it was last week when we had talked with Diego and Joey last week on the podcast. And I, I, I knew if the Rays go to the playoffs, one or two things is going to happen. Everyone's going to love it or everyone's going to hate it. Uh, or excuse me, the World Series, everyone's going to love it or hate it. And the reason being because it, it's a great story or people don't like how the Rays did it and got here. I, I completely understand where Callie's coming now. And being able to attach names is incredibly important. Um, and, and I think that if the Rays were doing it and not winning, I, I would... I don't think I would have such um, qualms with what the article was getting at. I think my biggest frustration is that they want to prioritize putting the big names out there or, or keeping names around long term over winning or, or placing that at a higher. I can't. I can't get behind that personally. And some of the language that was used in the article made it clear that the, the names were at least as important as winning. And I can't, I don't personally agree with that. I, I won't be able to. However, Kelly, I, I, maybe just because I don't have that same, the, the background, despite how much the White Sox act like a small market team. Um, it's interesting. I don't know. Everyone's going to get a point there because <laughs> Kelly kind of, softened my tune on it i was planning on going like a rant on this question <laughs> and yeah, i want to go a little bit more in depth on when player when player turnover is as constant as it is for a small market team like the a's and the rays it's you're more so cheering for the jersey and the organization mm -hmm. than the individual and by no means am i saying that the rays organization is not deserving of praise aside from their owner uh what they have done in, with such constraints is incredible. But they're not on the field. They're not the ones you pay tickets to see. I think that's fair. And I'm kind of mad at you, Callie, for making such a coherent 
I've been kicking that. I've been kicking that idea around ever since John Boyd made his brilliant Mariners series. But I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon of making Mariners content. I I just I I, I will continue to wrestle with this one because I I think if that's the argument that is being made, and Callie haven't read the article, I assume that's how you interpreted it. Then it's not. It, maybe it just needs to come from a different person because the person who wrote it was a is a Cubs fan, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna have a hard time getting yeah, behind that argument. Cubs, that's a, that's another interesting one because uh, Bernie Banks he never uh, won World Series and he's one of the most beloved players in baseball history. But the Cubs are such a different team I, in that sense. The people are gonna go to the Cubs no matter what. The, the Cubs so, are just a. A tourist attraction, even for of some sorts. I, I think that is true. That is true. I, I so, think it would have come better from someone like from Callie, from your point of view, where here's how th- this is how I understand it as a fan of a small market team. Maybe that's what it is for me. Yeah. I don't know. I I actually do really agree with like Callie's points, and they're good points. But I also think that like saying that the Rays are bad for baseball, like I think like the small market teams is how baseball like improves as a game. So I think it would cut down a lot of the yeah. innovation, um, saying that it's bad for them. But I definitely understand it from like a marketing and player develop and like keeping players around and like not and having people actually grow attached and why that is bad for the game. But I think that saying, but the whole concept that like anal- winning with analytics and like through small trades and stuff that no one's realizing, I think that's how baseball improves as a game. Um, and that's my bigger issue with the yeah. article. I mean, the reason I get so invested into J.B. Mendelkin is because he's a reliever. He's not going to have a very high price tag come sure. free agency time. There's a chance he does stick around yeah. compared to the point. Matt Chapmans and Matt Olsons. It's a good point. I, I think, for me, I'm going to sit here as a fan of a team who does not make the playoffs all that often and say, winning above all else. I don't care if I can't attach myself to a name ever again. Oh, I mean, that's how it's felt as, like, watching the Marlins this year. But, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, we're all historic, besides Cali, we're, we're all fans of teams that historically have at least one to two guys that you can say, hey, yeah. he played here forever. And yeah, we got to attach that. And it's like, when you think about having nieces, uh, nephews, kids, whatever, you, you can say, I watched him play, or that. This is like, I, I get that a little I think bit better since- now. I think since the turn of the century, the longest tenured tenure aide is Marcus Simeon. That's scary. <laughs> do you th- do you think they're going to extend like Chapman or Olsen to a long term deal? Do you think Absolutely they'll finally? Bre- you don't think they'll break pattern for even Chapman or Olsen? No. They broke pattern for Chris Davis by giving him a two year deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dipped yeah. below two forty seven. Hey, he's coming back. He's coming back. <laughs> Chris Davis for Surfing Tour 2021. Hop on the bandwagon now before it leaves the station. Oh, God. Callie, as mad as I am at you for not letting me go on my innovation rant, um, you made a very good point. I'm glad you made that point. Because if I'm being frank, that, that was the most blown-up article I'd seen on the, their website in a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. But but it was very much against the mold, 
And I don't know, just something still doesn't sit right with me. Maybe it's the innovation piece. Maybe it's it's a Cubs fan trying to tell me all about how uh, Rays fans aren't going to get attached. I, if, I if there's Something's anything to criticize the Rays for, it's ownership not being willing to pay the players what they're worth. Sure. And that's a problem throughout that. baseball. I also had like an interesting thought when I first saw the article is that like you can make the argument that the Rays do have a couple of big players in like Glasnow and Snell that you can get attached to, especially Snell. Um, but like I don't I think a lot of people when they think like big names, they're usually thinking bats, unless the pitcher's been there for like seven plus years already. Yeah. And yeah. Snell's still young. So But like uh what's their longest uh longest contract right now? Kiermer, he's signed to for what to, for what three year, for three more years? Yeah, I think Kiermaier is the longest tenured player, but I'm not positive. I don't know his contract though. Yeah, I Snow, think the innovation. Go ahead. Snell, I think is did he just sign an extension or is he about he to did. hit arbitration? He he, he I, I, I remember hearing about him signing an extension. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's um, a good point but, though. I don't know. Um, I I, I see where. Some people make the argument that analytics takes some of the, and it does naturally take some of the more human elements out of the game and the human elements here being just an attachment to players. I, I will still be above innovation above all. I will still be about innovation above all else. However, it's an interesting point to make. And Kelly, I'm glad you brought it up. I also just hate the whole general, like the whole swing, either swing for a homer or strikeout. I, I miss like, like even watching the Mets like lose to the Royals, I love just like I love stolen bases. I love bunting. I know I'm weird. I know I'm like ostracized in the baseball community now, um, but that's just the game I love. So like I also just got kind of got annoyed with the article for that reason. That's fair. I don't I like think bunting it's because though. like visually good plays in baseball hitting wise aren't as impressive as good plays. But yeah. Like. A 50-yard pass in football is always going to be impressive, but yeah. battling back from being down 0-2 to draw walk isn't going to be very impressive exactly. to the average person. Yeah, I, I think the second drafted article I ever started for Diamond Digest was about how we need to bring back bunting, and I just never finished it. <laughs> I don't think that would get much attention on the site. Oh, it's going to get a lot of attention. <laughs> this, was, this was back a year and a half ago when I first started. I It was like, literally, I started it after I wrote like two articles and then I started this draft and never completed it. Might be a time to revisit. Do Rest you want the, peace it, to your mentions? No, it's going to be your problem. It's not going to be mine. <laughs> Is this how you want to gain clout for Diamond Digest? Yeah. <laughs> I had that one. Oh, we're not going to talk about the one time I messed up really badly. <laughs> and I actually had that happen. <laughs> oh, God. Anywho, before Jonah gets himself in trouble. Question six. Kelly has taken the lead. The Rays have to be rooting for someone tonight, obviously. I, I would be crazy to think they wouldn't be. Who do the Rays match up better against? Is there any chance they'd want to see the Dodgers rather than the Braves? To give you an update, we're still tied at three, bottom seven. Kelly, we'll start with you. I think they would want to see the Braves more simply because the Braves do not have the depth pitching wise that the Dodgers do. Outside of Fried Anderson, and I'm forgetting somebody else. Uh, uh, right. Pitcher. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, um, they don't have very many pitchers. Their bullpen is yeah. pretty good with Green, Melancon, Martin, but and their offense is the best was the best in baseball this year. But I think the Rays are set up to feast on a team with that's lacking in depth. I think the Rays are better set up for the long game than the Braves are, and I think that's going to give them the advantage. But if it goes to you know just the four games, I still think it's the Braves because their bullpen and pitching ceiling isn't as high as the Dodgers' ceiling. Makes sense, Jonah. Um, I'm going to go against the grade. I actually think that they they would prefer the Dodgers. Um, All right, let's go. A couple a uh, <laughs> couple of reasons. One is just more like I think the Braves, like even with the way the series has gone, the way they've played, they played. Um, coming into the playoffs the way they played at the beginning of the playoffs. They're just a hotter team and as we know, in one series anything can happen and momentum is everything. Um, but two, I think that the Braves look a lot more fresh. Their offense um, I think is just good as the Dodgers, at least one through six. You can argue about death, like, but like your number seven hitter is Riley, your number eight is Marcakis. Like, those are, are still pretty good hitters. Um, and Swanson's bat is coming alive. Um, but their bullpen looks a lot fresher than the Dodgers right now. Um, and I think that was play a key issue. And the Dodgers, like, especially if, especially if Kershaw's hurt, I'd rather face the Dodgers. If he's still struggling with the back spasms, because then you're really, you're facing one Bueller who's been struggling and May who's still rookie and hasn't proven that he can pitch in the playoffs. He can make, he didn't even get, no, he did get out of the first thing, but he, he gave up a run first. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan? I mean, if you look at it on paper, one team hits Travis Darno cleanup and another team hits Cody Bellinger sixth. So I would rather face the team that hits Darno in the middle of their order. But yeah, I think the Rays match up better against the Braves. I think the Dodgers, like, like what they said, they have more flexibility with their lineup and with their, with their pitching staff. They have better options to start games outside of the top of their rotation than the Braves do. So I think that just for like a matchup in a playoff series, I think they would rather play the Braves. Ethan's learning how to play this game. You get the point. <laughs> hey, the Rays, I want to see uh, the Dodgers just say hi to old buddy Andrew Friedman. Oh, yeah. That, that'll, uh, that, that's a fun one, though. The, the guy who had such a big part in... Their last World Series run, and now yeah. they're going up against them. That was exactly. quite the storyline. That is quite the storyline. I, I I don't know. Rays Braves is more fun from the standpoint of you know two teams that you're not used to seeing there. Rays Dodgers is more fun from Cali standpoint. You were just saying this is two teams that Andrew Friedman built. So I I hate both options. If we're being clear about this, I'm um, I'm aware <laughs> of your dislike for most of these options here. <laughs> Um, considering I grew up a Mets fan, um, and just, I'm tired of watching the Dodgers in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I could have guessed your general dis disgust with it. So that's how it was being a Pirates fan with the entire rest of the division being in the playoffs. Yeah. But you get rocker out of it. Hopefully. <laughs> no you mean, uh, Jack Wider. That's going to be a fun debate. Yeah. We're going to have at some point. That'll be a very fun debate, I bet. 
But, that could be an that can be an entire podcast episode. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> but that's saved for a better day. We'll we'll wrap it up here. Callie, Ethan, you're gonna remain tied until uh, I need we, to win this one. Well, if if you can somehow, you're you're gonna have to force a tie retroactively right. because we are predicting the World Series champion. So, oh. yeah, sorry, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's either going to be Callie or Ethan, unless Jody, you seem, you make the only correct prediction here. Then it's a three-way tie. However, we'll find out in a week. <laughs> predict the World Series champion if either the Braves or Dodgers win. So predict it if it's Rays Braves. Predict it if it's Rays Dodgers. Jonah, we'll let you get out in front of it and see if you can uh, help yourself down the line. Are we playing psychology game? <laughs> Like, the only way I can actually win this game is if I pick the Braves right now. <laughs> um, but I don't think they're going he, to win it all. Jonah needs to go last to know what teams we don't pick. No, 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 it's fine. That's I'll, a good point. That's a good I'll, point. Kelly, you can go first. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the Braves just because I already know they're not taking the Braves. Like, all right. the Braves will win it all, but I'll take the Braves. I'll take the Braves so I can get the point. So you're telling, right, me, if the, so you're telling me if the Braves make it, the Braves are going to win. Yes, let's go with that. And if the Dodgers make it, the Rays are going to win. The Braves will still win in that case. <laughs> the Braves will win in my heart. I I have a feeling <laughs> you're not going to get the The ball. entire Dodgers team gets a bad COVID and the Braves have to take their place. Exactly. The Dodgers <laughs> took the lead in the seventh. Somebody Ooh. was going. Cody. Let's he just just talked about did, him hitting finally did something? I'm a couple pitches behind. Give me a minute. Oh, ESPN's behind. I don't actually have the game up, but... Um, Ethan. Oh, that's a deep shot. All right, let me get to it, and then we'll <laughs> resume. <laughs> Give me a moment here. <laughs> you better get your thinking cap on, Ethan, because I'm coming straight I'm ready. to this. All right. Me too. Two and two, two outs. Man. Oh, it's still going. All right. <laughs> behind. Bra All right. Braves make it who you got. Dodgers make it who you got. I got the race winning no matter the situation, no matter the opponent. Interesting. And Ethan? I promise you I'm not making this up. I have my notes in front of me, and I picked the Braves. <laughs> so you're picking the I Braves? I have I have it starting off with the legend of Ian Anderson, which didn't exactly pan out. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I'm still taking the Braves anyway. I think the Braves are going to come back. They're going to win this game, and they are going to win the World Series in seven. I said at the beginning of the championship series that whoever won the NLCS would win the World Series, so I'm going to stick with that. Do I but, get bonus right. points for predicting how the World Series ends? I'm telling you, we're going to get end? a flashback to 2017. Charlie Morton's going to be on the mound for out number 27. So, you're, so you know what? If that happens... I'll have to actually find you some actual reward for just winning or at least tying. Ethan, you held your own today. Even Joni, you held your own today. This was a little bit closer. But we'll have to see. But currently, an impressive bat flip and a walk down the line for Bellinger as he hits a moonshot. It lasts. The if, if the World Series does end with, um, with more men, why don't you just buy me some A's 2020 American League Wild Card Champion shirt. <laughs> Not in your wildest dreams. 
<laughs> you know what? Kelly Muse is a point. Congratulations, <laughs> Wait, while we're on the topic of Bellinger, it, does anyone else feel like his swing went back to his rookie season? <laughs> he looks better this year. Huh? He looks a lot better this year, if that's what you mean. Oh, no. I mean, like, last year was his MVP year, but his swing looked like he added a, a bit too much launch angle a bit this year. Oh, like, I, 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 like, I actually I was, prefer his swing this year. Oh, you really preferred it yeah. this year? That's I remember, my thought, but... I just remember seeing him come into the league and being like, this um, this swing isn't sustainable, and then he dropped the launch angle by, like, two degrees, and it became, like, one of the most sustainable swings in the game. But he, when he... When he was struggling early, at least at the beginning of the season, I haven't watched a lot of Dodgers this year. Like I've watched maybe two Dodgers games this entire season. At least at the beginning of the season, it looked like his swing was back to like it was a bit higher of a launch angle. I'd have to give All that right. a deeper look. I've never. Now he's ready to Post move that out. instead of your bunting article. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe. I've never liked Bellinger. Um, I have no, no shame. In I was going to say not shocked. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's get to the storylines. Not much here, clearly, as we're down to three teams, and in an hour it'll be two teams. But Ethan, as the winner of seventh inning stretch, we'll start with you and your storyline. All right, so I'm talking about the makeshift pitching staff that the Rays have assembled. We talked about the Rays a lot already and how they they do things kind of counterintuitive to the rest of the league. I have compiled here a list of pitchers who were on the Rays ALCS playoff roster. John Curtis, Pete Fairbanks, Josh Fleming, Aaron Loop, Aaron Slagers, Ryan Thompson. Nobody knows who any of those people are. Hey, I know who Pete Fairbanks is. <laughs> Nobody, very few people very outside few people. of this group knows who any of those people are. John Curtis got cut by the Phillies last year. Pete Fairbanks was traded for Nick Solak. Mm-hmm. He had an ERA over nine with the Rangers when they traded for him. Josh Fleming was a fifth round pick who made his debut in August. Aaron Loop actually was successful for a while with the Blue Jays, but then got hurt last year and was not good the year before that. Aaron Slagers had his contract purchased from the Pirates in spring training in 2019. And Ryan Thompson was a Rule 5 pick. Those That group of pitchers pitched 32 and two-thirds innings in the playoffs against the Twins, Yankees, and Astros, who are really good offenses, and combined for a 358 ERA in the playoffs. So it's just absurd how the Rays can just pull these pitchers out of nowhere and get effective innings out of them. And Pete Fairbanks in the regular season recorded zero saves. And he has a save in each playoff series so far, including the uh, ALCS game seven. He was on the mound when they clinched the pennant. So it's just, it blows my mind how the Rays continue to pull this off. Stay tuned for our newest segment, Diamond Digest writer or Rays bullpen pitcher. <laughs> because be I segment. guarantee you will probably get one of those wrong. Some of those names they ran out there. I think I tweeted this. I'm like, I'm convinced I could become an eighth inning high leverage reliever at this point. My my favorite twi- my favorite Twitter post was like your your rage reliever name is the la- is like your uncle's name in the last in the northernmost city you visited. <laughs> it's impressive what they do though. Seriously, yeah. like it is impressive that they can find these guys and turn them into what they are. We should Brian Schlosser does sound though. like a reliever name. 
But and I think the fun of it too is, you know, these are guys who would never typically get shots. And you, you get the razor you get into the Rays organization, like you feel like you got a shot. Somehow, well, some way. Like these people have no talent. Peter Fairbanks throws a hundred. Sure. But it, I mean more so guys that you feel like another organization probably would have given up on them sooner or might not have been able to make them achieve the potential they had. Um, it's like that SpongeBob meme. Want to see me turn a nobody into an amazing reliever? Want to see me do it again? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And what's fascinating about them is they continue to do that. All right, Jonah, what's your storyline? My storyline is on the one consistent reliever that everyone knew going into this year. <laughs> Nick Anderson, who, if we're on that topic of... Um, turning relievers into good pitch. I mean, Anderson was okay on the Marlins, but he never really shined, and now he's shining on the Rays. But he's been struggling in these playoffs. Um, in 39 career appearances prior to this postseason with the Rays, he had given up a combined six runs, which includes 23 outings last year, and he only gave up one earned run this entire season. He's given up six earned runs in these playoffs. He's, in, he's only appeared, I think it's like seven games. In the playoffs, here I have it. I made sure to have it. Yeah, seven games in the playoffs, um, and he's given up as many earned runs as he did in his previous thirty-nine appearances for the Rays. Um, and the truth is, is that his he's not striking out batters, and he's walking a full batter more per inning, um, which has raised his FIP, his xFIP. Um, I just I think he'll I think he'll be fine. I don't know what necessarily is causing it. It was a bit hard to find pitch usage for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking for that earlier, but I think that I think we'll see about, I'm actually going to make a bold prediction where Anderson's going to pitch four scoreless innings in the world series. I think it was just because he was getting ran out there night after night. Yeah. That also I, could be a part of it. it. It might just come down to fatigue, but certainly yeah. something to watch. Um, yeah. Well, well, if he was on, like in the regular season, he got four batters per nine in Italy, and in the world series, he's only striking out four. So. so, something to look at. Callie? Yeah. So, I forgot to make, to think of a storyline this week. So, I'm, I've been scrambling to think of one, and I think I've come up with a satisfactory one. Nothing epitomizes the Dodgers' depth more than how they've used Julio Urias and Dustin May these post, this postseason. Both have started games, and both have also come out of the bullpen. There, that I've talked about how much I love pitchers who can do both many a time, and I think that flexibility is going to be incredibly helpful for them come the World Series. If, say, Kershaw has back spasms like uh, we talked about, or just some other relievers are underperforming. So, Callie, when I asked you before this, were you ready for the podcast? And you I said, yes, I am. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing storylines this week. So I think that there's so little things to talk about. It is a good point. And we do cover a lot yeah. with the seventh inning stretch. But certainly the raised bullpen is something that um, is fun to highlight. And we might even get a new segment out of it, as we discussed before. But let's close the storybook. Turn on the TV, talk about what we're watching for this week with the World Series. Obviously, we still don't know if it's going to be the Dodgers or the Braves. However, there's plenty of storylines available, whether it's the Dodgers or the Braves. And certainly with the Rays already in, I'm sure there's something interesting you all have found. Kelly, I'll give you time to find yours. 
Well, I already know what I'm going to be watching for. Well, what are you going to be watching for? Let's start with you, then. Looking for former A, Joey Wendell to do great. There it is. All right. Easy enough. Hmm. Ethan, what you watching for? I was really scared that somebody was going to steal my thunder here because we have made very little talk about Randy or Rosarena on this, this podcast true. so far. This is true. I don't so, know how. <laughs> I'm going to start with my rebuttal to the point that I'm about to make, which is that there are more playoff games played now than there uh, ever have been. So that kind of diminishes like breaking records. In the I know play. where you're going with this. But the record... <laughs> The record for home runs in a postseason is eight. And Randy Arozarena is currently at seven, which matches his regular season total from this year. So I'm going to see if he can either tie or break the record. And I'm going to predict that he gets to double digits. Oh, my God. Wow. That, would be, that would be quite the playoff appearance I, for Randy I mean, Arozarena. I mean, I thought where you were going with because there are more games. He's still, I think, he has the highest slugging percentage in a in the a postseason, or like he's up there. Very possible. Um, so number of games wouldn't matter for that, but certainly for home runs and even hits too. I knew he was getting up there yeah. too. I think he broke uh, former Ray Evan Longoria's record for mm-hmm. yeah, he had the yeah, working record. Yeah. And finally, Jonah. Which I am going to watch um, the NL shortstops, whichever one, whichever team wins. Um, I'm going to make a second bull prediction. I think um, either Seager or Swanson will win MVP. It's a bit easier to see with Seager. He's the hot. He's outside of uh, Rosarena, or even you can argue a Rosarena. He had five homers in the NLCS. Um, Seager might be the hottest hitter right now, um, and he's been the Dodgers' bet like might have been the Dodgers' best hitter all year, and he constantly hits the ball hard. I think if the Dodgers win, he'll probably win MVP. Um, Swanson is starting to hit. He hit his third home run of the playoffs earlier in this game. Um, but he, I also just think it's a great narrative because a lot of people were ready to give up on him after like the first couple of seasons where he was massively underperforming. Yeah, like everyone thought he was going to be the like the like one of the greatest shortstops of all time out of college, and he was massively underperforming. But he set career highs. You know, the Mark every... Apple of position players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he set he set career highs in almost every single category this year, and that was in a sixty games, like in average and stuff. He tied his career high WAR in sixty games in a season he played one hundred fifty games. So he was he's had his breakout year this year. Um, so I also think for the Braves to finally um, win another World Series for all this narrative of him being a boss, it would be really cool if he's the reason why they win it. Um, but I also think he played well and he actually can, especially if they move him up from six to like fifth. Yeah. He homered uh, in tonight's game too, so. Certainly yeah. an argument yeah. there. I see Callie getting tired over there, so that must mean <laughs> we are at the end of the podcast. But indeed we are at the end here. That is going to do it for us. And one more coming up next week. This will be our final episode he- or next week um, with the World Series coming to a close by the time we uh, – actually, it might not even come to a close by the time we record next. But I will record after the World Series ends, so, so we, we won't try and uh, squeeze it in. But our last uh, episode will obviously cover the World Series. And for this week with the World Series, make sure to be following us at Diamond underscore Digest on Twitter. Make sure to be following us on our website, diamond-digest.com. 
We got some articles coming out this week in between the NLCS and the World Series, as well as I'm sure plenty of postseason and World Series analysis as well. And finally, if you haven't been watching those hot mic streams we put out, uh, please do so. I think they're an awesome opportunity for you guys to hear some of our other writers and other analysts who aren't on these podcasts every week. And um, last night, uh, I did one with fellow writer Scott Bentley, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah, they're a ton of fun. They're an alternative if you are not a Joe Buck fan. Do <laughs> not having to hear about Joe Buck for... Well, hey, Joe wasn't calling, doing this. Uh, he wasn't calling tonight. Yeah, he wasn't calling tonight's game. However, he'll probably you be still in the World watch Series. Us. And you yeah. still should watch us, because, like I said, our guys do a great job, and certainly... Plenty of fun content with um, the hot bike stream. So make sure to be looking for those links when we tweet them out. They will provide a fun alternative, like I said, to your national broadcasts. But that's going to do it for us, folks. For the always wonderful Callie Sai, who has returned and is getting more tired by the moment, <laughs> as well as Ethan Fisher and Jonah Keen. This is Jordan Lazowski saying, Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the World Series. And we'll talk to you once it all comes to a close. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.